All right. And without further ado, I'm going to have you turn in your Bible, if you could, to the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. Can you hear me good out there? Okay. 2 Kings, chapter 6. Start with verse number 8. I'm going to read verses 8 through 12. 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 8 through 12. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye now, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Jumping to verse number 14. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And I just want to read one more verse. You don't have to turn there. We all know it. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith, now faith, somebody say it, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is it? The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. By the help of the Lord, I want to talk to us tonight about faith in the unseen. Faith in the unseen. Why don't you just look to somebody next to you, say praise the Lord. But make sure the air goes into your mouth and you don't breathe out. I want to first say, um, just on behalf of Sister Stephanie and myself, we appreciate all the well wishes. We are going to miss everyone immensely when we leave. Um, I don't know if I'll have the opportunity to say it. I may uh, on our last service, but just in case I don't. Um, we are excited. See, he's excited we're leaving. My own nephew, he's excited to see us go. But we are we're excited, but we're, we're also uh, sad and terrified. So... Um, so we're all these emotions at once. So just keep us in your prayer. But we will be frequent visitors. I do promise that. So you'll see us fairly often. And it may be just like we never left. So we'll just, we'll be, we'll be back pretty often. You know, some places you leave and you know, well, probably not going to see them again. Um, or if I do, it's going to be a long time from now. But that is not the case. I promise you that. So don't cry too hard. I promise we'll be back fairly often, pretty often, so um, it's only just a couple miles down the road, a couple hours, so no big deal. Um, it, it's an incentive uh, to come to all the uh, district events if you want to see us. We will be there uh, for all the district events. We have to be, um, so 
So, but the good, the good thing is I'm not paying any more registration fees. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You will be paying me the registration fee, and I'll be collecting that fee. So, discounts, that's right. That's right. Slide it under the rug. But uh, we, we look forward to uh, what the Lord has in store and, and uh, seeing you all there and, and uh, seeing you here and just continuing, continuing the relationship. But we do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, faith in the unseen. I'm not going to talk long tonight. I'm just going to give you something that the Lord has laid on my heart. Um, I, I'm holding here in my hand. Does anybody know what this is? Yes. It is. Can you hear me? It is the number one fashion accessory of 2020. That's what this is. They come, they, you know, masks used to be for just hospitals and staff. And they used to just, they, look, they used to look medical, but now they're fashionable. Um, this one's camouflage. My mother-in-law made it. It's got Florida State on it. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. I was told, though, I was told, though, it's not going to, prevent COVID because FSU can't stop anything. So, I don't know. So we'll just have to see. But this is, this is, this is the new normal, right? Now, I can remember, you know, you, you'd go to the airport or you'd go visit a store and you'd see somebody with a mask on, you know, six months ago. And you'd think, what is wrong with them? They're sick. They're extremely, either extremely sick um, and or they don't want to be sick. They've got a lower immune system. But you used to be, you know, they'd stick out like a sore thumb. Now it's the opposite. If you walk in, you better not walk into a store without a mask on. Don't do it. We ordered food the other day from Chipotle. I'm sorry, you're all going to get mad at me. But I walked up to the door, forgot my mask. It said you have to have a mask to enter. And I said, let me see what happens. I wanted to see if I could go in there and get yelled at. But they were nice. They didn't say a word to me. I just It was pickup. I didn't go in there and eat. That's another thing that confuses me. You have to wear your mask to come in the door and order your food. But as soon as you sit down, you can take off your mask, and everybody just walks around like it's normal. I don't understand that, but whatever. But this is, this is like, this is the, the new thing. This is the new normal is to wear this mask. And I understand it. I get it. People are getting sick. Some people have lost their lives. I understand that. And we should take precaution. But it's interesting to me how aware we have become of something we're never going to see. You're never going to see the, the COVID germ. You're not going to see it fly through the air and through your nostrils and make you sick. You're not going to see it. But yet you know that it's there. And you recognize that it's there. The entire world, the nation has been crippled, brought to our knees by something that we cannot even see. And if I were to ask you in here, most of you, if COVID-19 is real, you'd say it's real. But you've never seen it. But you're without a doubt. You have no doubt in your mind that it is real. You have no doubt in your mind that if you don't wear that mask, if you don't wash the hands, you don't stay six feet apart, then you're going to get sick or you might get somebody sick. But you'll never see that germ. You will never, you'll never touch it. It's not tangible. It's not something that you're going to be able to grasp and hold on to. But yet we see that it has brought the economy crashing down. Life as we know it has ended. 
has stopped, come to a halt because of something that we'll never see. They're talking about, they're, they're playing baseball in empty stadiums. They're pumping in crowd noise. Who would ever thought you saw baseball stadiums empty with no fans there? They're playing in empty stadiums. You're seeing restaurants, you're seeing businesses that are shut down forever, that are closing. Restaurants that maybe some of you have loved that will never go back in business. And it's all because of fear of something that you will never see. You'll never see it. But yet the world has come to terms with this enemy, this invisible nemesis, this sickness, this germ. The world has grasped and understood that it is real. The president himself, he's called it an invisible enemy. He said we're at war with an invisible enemy. That sounds like something we preach in church all the time, right? We're at war with an invisible enemy. But he's right. We are at war with an invisible enemy, something that we're not going to see. But as I was considering this and I was thinking about it, and I thought, well, it's interesting the respect that we've given this sickness, this disease. It's interesting how everyone has reacted to it. And I wonder what would happen if we begin to grasp the concept that there's something that operates. There's a, a whole world, if you will. There's, there's, there's hierarchy. There's position in an invisible world that we don't see in front of us. I'm talking about a spiritual realm. I'm talking about a, 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 a world in the spirit that you'll never see. But most of us never come to, to the understanding. We never grasp the concept that there is an invisible world and that there's something out there uh, that we're not seeing. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, my fight's not with you. Uh, my fight's not with my neighbor or my coworker, but it's against principalities, it's against powers and uh, spiritual wickedness that dwells in high places. It's against, there's angels, there's demons, there's things going on in the invisible. And there's, there's spiritual warfare, it's been talked about a lot here. Uh, but, uh, but what I want us to try to understand here tonight, and I want us to grasp, because if you're like me, the news is bad, the news is sad, the, the economic numbers came out today. It was not good. It was terrible. And, and, if, and I find myself, I, I'm on this roller coaster. Like some days I feel like, oh, we're going to get out of this. We're going to be okay. And then the next day I feel like the United States is doomed. It's just, it's over with. Um, it's, it's never going to be the same again. Everything is just crazy. Do you ever feel like that? Because, I mean, you look at, Brother Frank feels it. If you, if you look around us, just think about it. Are we ever not going to wear masks? Seriously. Because if it's not COVID, it's going to be the flu. It's going to be the, the, the common cold. It's going to be something else, right? So probably from now on, we're always going to wear masks, and nobody's ever going to shake hands again. Nobody's ever going to hug again. Everything's, you're never, you know what, you know what the biggest problem is? Buffets. We're never going to see buffets again. We're never going to see buffets again. So I'm on this roller coaster, and I'm thinking, gosh, just everything's just in turmoil. Everything's a wreck because this invisible thing that I don't see. But what we've got to understand and what we've got to grasp is when we're depressed like that, when we're upset, when we feel frustrated, when we feel like nothing's going right, we may not see it, we may not understand it, but God is big. God is powerful. 
God is in control. That the microscopic COVID or however big it is, probably so small you can't see it. Just imagine how big God is compared to that. Just how big God is compared to the economy. Just how big God is compared to everything that seems like it's against us. No matter what it is, no matter how depressed we get, no matter how upset we are, we've got to grasp and understand. We may not see him in front of us. We may not know that he's right here, but God is big. God is powerful. And it's a little offensive when we, when we get more afraid and more aware of a germ than we are of who he is. It probably just rubs him the wrong way when he sees everybody afraid, when he sees everything shutting down for something that they'll never see, but we never grasp and understand the concept of just how big and how powerful he is. The Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. Now what that means is, it's, it's kind of a, it's giving you, trying to give you a physical representation. You put your foot on something, a footstool, you rested on it. That means that God is so big and the earth is so insignificant that he could put his foot on it. And we're just a speck within that speck. So if we can just begin to understand and grasp just how big God is, our life would be so much better. Our existence would be so much more blessed. So I I hope to encourage you tonight to have faith in the unseen. We need to have more faith in God than we do in an invisible virus. Amen? Gearing up for war. Somebody say gearing up for war. The king of Syria was doing just that. He was gearing up to move against Israel. And meanwhile, the prophet Elisha, he had some special spiritual insight into the king of Syria. And he knew exactly where he was going to move and where he was going to be. He knew the strategy that he was going to take. So the prophet Elisha, having this spiritual insight, this understanding, went to the king of Israel, and he said, the king of Syria is going to move on you on this date. He's going to have this many men. He's going to come to this place. He's going to be here on this day at this time. He knew everything down to the finest of details as to what the king of Syria was going to do. So the king of Israel moved his army out. He put men in places where the the king of Syria could not penetrate the nation, and he, uh, he, he put he, he made the proper adjustments to make sure that they would not be invaded and they would not be attacked. So when the king of Syria saw the movement of Israel's army, when he saw what was going on, he got concerned. And he thought the first reaction he had was there's a spy in the camp. There's somebody in my inner circle that's telling my secrets. So he gathered his guys together and got his intelligence members together. And he said, okay, who is for Syria and who's for Israel? Because obviously, we have some double crossers. We have some people here who are telling Israel what's going on because they know exactly every move that I'm going to make. They know exactly everything that I'm going to do. And if so, who is it so they can pay the price? So all the men around him get nervous. They get scared. Maybe even some of them who didn't do anything, but if they were suspected of being a spy, their life was going to be over with. So after questioning his, his servants, somebody finally spoke up and they said, listen, 
king, there's nobody in Syria that's against you. There's nobody here that is a double-crosser. There's no spies in the camp. There's nobody in the government who's leaking. But there's a, there's a man in Israel. There is a prophet by the name of Elisha. And there's something special about this guy because it doesn't, doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what our plans are. He always seems to be a step ahead. He always seems to know exactly what we're going to do. He knows the place we're going to be. He knows the time that we're going to be there. He knows what's on the menu for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He knows all of our names. He knows our rank. He knows everything about our weaponry. And there's something about this guy. I, I don't understand what it is, but, but this is the problem. He's not in this camp. He's in Israel's camp. So the king was furious. In order to attack Israel, in order to have a successful military campaign, he needed to take out Elisha. He needed to end the prophet's life or else this military strategy was never going to work. So it was told to the king of Syria where Elisha would be. They said he was dwelling at a place called Dothan. They said, king, if you'll go to Dothan, if you'll go to this area, you will find your nemesis there. You'll find the prophet there. We can take him out, and if we do that, maybe we will have some success here. So the king said, okay. So he gathered all of his army together, gathered all of his choice men, got all the, the big guns and the big weapons, and, and they rode out towards Dothan. The king gathered together a, a, a great host, the Bible says, a host of horses and chariots. And they came by night and completely surrounded the city of Dothan. So Elisha, he's dwelling here at Dothan. He's got his servants with him, and, and he, he's dwelling here. He's living here. And in the middle of the night, while he's asleep, while the servants are asleep, the king of Syria comes to Dothan. They surround it, and they surround it with horses, with chariots, with, with swords and spears and, and anything you can think of. And there was no way in Dothan. There was no way out of Dothan. The only way out for Elisha was going to be in a body bag. He was going to go out dead, you see. He was going to be done. His life was going to be over. And so as the night went on and, and the king of Syria set up his, his camp, the Bible says that one of Elisha's servants woke up early. And as he woke up early, he came out of the tent. And in utter and complete shock, he looked at the hills surrounding Dothan. And as he looked at the hills, he was stricken with instantaneous and pure fear. He was terrified at what he saw. As he stepped outside, he saw the vast Syrian army that surrounded them. He saw the gates of the city. He saw the area leading in and leading out, the back door, the exit door. Everything was covered. There was no way in and there was no way out. And Dothan was a small town. There was a, a small group of people there. It wasn't a big city. And so there was just a kind of a ragtag group just kind of hanging out, you know, in a, in a small space. But this army completely outnumbered them. That shows you the, the respect that the king of Syria had for Elisha, that he would send this many men. He would send this many guys. He wanted to make sure there was no way Elisha was coming out alive. So the prophet's servant looked around. He saw what surrounded them. And he was stricken with fear. He was afraid. 
He knew there was nothing that he could do. But then as he looked over to the prophet, as he looked to Elisha, this is what he saw. It doesn't say it in Scripture, but this is what he saw. Okay? Elisha was sitting in his lawn chair. He had a cup of coffee, maybe his second cup. He had his feet up. Again, you're not going to find this in the Bible, so don't even look. But it's, it's, this is what happened. He's got his feet up. He still has his night robe on. He didn't get dressed. He's sitting there. He didn't brush his teeth. He didn't brush his hair. He was out there. He was reading the newspaper. He was enjoying a nice, quiet morning. And he didn't have a word to say or think about the army that was surrounding him. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't sick to his stomach. He wasn't in his tent with his suitcase, packing all of his clothes, his fine china, taking down the bed. He wasn't shutting the door and, and putting the, the locks on. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was outside enjoying breakfast. He was outside having a, a good, nice, quiet, and peaceful morning. Now, I've, you know, I'm taking some liberty here, so don't, you know, don't accuse me of adding or taking away. So here was this vast army. Here was this massive, this massive army ready to strike and ready to kill. And here's Elisha sitting here not worried about a thing, not concerned about this army. And yet here's the servant who's shaken in his sandals. He's already, he's already thinking about how he's going to die. He's already wondering how much longer he's going to be here. Is he going to be carried away into captivity and tortured? Or is he going to be killed here on the spot? So the servant looks to Elisha and he says, My Lord, what shall we do? What are we going to do? You ever ask that question? When everything's going bad, everything's going wrong, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So the servant asked Elisha this. And Elisha, looking back to the servant, looking back to his friend with, with the background of the great Syrian army, said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And what a peculiar statement. Because what is he talking about? There's no army. There's no, there's no vast army out there. there. This is a small town. They're surrounded. So what is Elisha talking about? As the army stood ready to charge the city in a moment's notice, and as the servant of the prophet stood there and began, the Bible says, to cry out in fear at the sight of the Syrian army, the prophet prayed then a simple prayer. He said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he can see what I'm seeing. And just as Elisha prayed that short and powerful prayer, God opened the eyes of the young servant and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots and fire surrounding the prophet Elisha. What a sight this was. What a powerful sight this was. You see, the servant's eyes were open to see the physical. He could see the fear that was in front of him. 
But Elisha could see beyond what was striking this town with fear. Elisha could see beyond just what was in front of them to what was really happening, what really existed. As the Syrian army began their advance toward the camp, Elisha then prayed, God, strike this army with blindness. As we read the rest of the story, the army was blinded and diverted to an alternate route. And God delivered Elisha. God delivered Dothan and the servants that day. God delivered them from certain death. God brought them out of this place where they were going to die. Now it's interesting when I look at this account because I feel that this represents the time that we're living in. This setting. This, this very setting here. It's an example to us of what we're going through. We find ourselves much like the young servant of Elisha, bombarded with the obvious circumstances of life that our vision is blocked from seeing what's invisible to us. We're so preoccupied with the fear and the doubt. We're so preoccupied with what's going to happen because the economy's crashing. What's going to happen if I get sick? What's going to happen if I lose my job? What's going to happen if this happens or this, 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 or this? We get so bombarded with that that we, we forget and we don't recognize and see what's invisible to us in the moment. And that is a big and powerful and mighty God. Our problems, our problems and fear become so big and in turn our faith becomes so insignificant and small. But we've got to pray, Lord, open our eyes that we may see. The next time you're worried, the next time you're upset, the next time you don't know if you're going to get that paycheck, if you don't know if you're going to get laid off from the job, if you get sick, don't worry about it. But pray, Lord, open my eyes that I can see. That I can see what? That I can see you. That I can see how powerful you are. That I can see how big you are. That I can see you're a healer. That I can see you're a way maker. That I can see you're a deliverer. I've used this example before, but it's so much easier to focus on negative things. Isn't it easy to focus on the negative? If I told you, that I'm going to give you a million dollars, you'd think I was lying to you. Or if somebody told you, if you get one of those things in the mail that comes and it says, uh, you know, you look through the thing, you see the check, you know, for a million dollars, you immediately rip it up and throw it in the trash because you don't believe it. Right? Or if you win something, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. million dollars, no way. But if you go to the doctor... The doctor says, I don't know. I think I see something on that scan. All of a sudden, you've written out your will. You've called the family. Let's go visit the funeral home this weekend. i got to pick out a casket. You believe that bad report just like that. But if somebody said, i got a million dollars for you, oh, you're lying. You're lying. It's so easy to believe the bad stuff. And it doesn't really take that much prompting to believe it. I got proof of that. The Old Testament, one of my favorite examples. Joseph, you know, he had the coat of many colors. His brother sold him into slavery. They killed the wild beast, the animal, and they, they dipped the blood in the coat. They brought it to Jacob. What did they tell Jacob? They didn't tell him anything. They just handed him a bloody coat. 
lot of times we think they told him that a wild beast ripped his son in, in half and killed him. No, they never said a word. He took the coat. The Bible says they took Joseph's coat. This is Genesis 37. And killed a kid of goats, dipped the coat, uh, coat in the blood. They sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. Saying, I don't know if this is his coat or not. He immediately recognized the coat. The Bible says he knew it in verse 33, and he said, it's my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Nobody told Jacob that an evil beast devoured their son, but he immediately took that evidence, and he came to his own conclusions. He took that, that bloody coat, and he came up with the idea, and his imagination ran wild, and he had, immediately he knew what happened. That's what we do. We get that little bit of bad news. We get that little bit of just negativity, and all of a sudden, the world is over with. All of a sudden, the world is ending because it's so easy to believe that negative evidence that's right in front of us. It's so easy to pick up that that bloody piece of cloth and immediately believe it. But if I were to say to you, you're sick in your body, it's Thursday night, but if we lay hands on you tonight, God can heal you, it would be much harder to believe that than it would a doctor's report, wouldn't it? Or if I say, your job let go of you today because of the economy shutting down, that's okay. Tomorrow when you walk out of this place, you're going to have a job first thing in the morning. Somebody's going to call you. That sounds impossible. That sounds incredibly impossible. But it's so easy to believe the bad stuff. It's so easy to succumb to fear and to react to it, right? better wear this. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is we believe the terrible things. We get so crippled by fear. We get so upset by the things that are going on around us when there's a God that is way bigger. There's a God that's more powerful. There's, there's an army that's for you that's bigger than anything else out there. It's like being able to see for the first time. It's like that fresh pair of contacts or that new pair of glasses that you put on when you didn't realize before how difficult it was to see, how blurry everything was. If our eyes can somehow be opened, if we can somehow comprehend, be open to the supernatural, and we begin to see Jesus for who he is, it will change our life. It will affect our faith in the positive. You'll start walking in a faith that you never imagined you could before. So tonight, my prayer, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to have faith in the unseen. Faith in the unseen. You see, it was important for Elisha and his servant to stay focused on the hills filled with chariots and with fire. If they lost sight of that and focused on the trouble surrounding them, it would have shaken their faith in what the Lord was able to do. Kind of like Peter walking on the water in the storm. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to navigate the storm. But as soon as he took his eyes off of that and began to focus on the waves and the thunder and the lightning and the rain, he began to sink. That is how it is in our life. If we're focusing right now on the negative things, if we're focusing on what the economy's doing, if we're focusing on what's going to happen with our job and our families, if we're thinking, if we're listening to the news constantly and, and, and letting the, the newspaper infiltrate our heart, it's going to affect our prayer life. It's going to affect our faith. 
But if we can just navigate the storm, this season right now, and just keep our eyes focused, like they looked at the hills, keep our eyes focused like Peter looked at Jesus. If we can just look past this, this bloody coat that we have in our hands and focus on who he is, then God can work miracles. God can bring us through this season. So, Lord, open our eyes. Somebody say it with me tonight. Lord, open our eyes that we can see. If our musicians want to join me tonight. So I find it, I do find it interesting what the prophet Elisha prayed. I do find that interesting. In that moment when he saw the chariots, uh, you know, and the, the horsemen, and he was surrounded by fire, he prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant. You know, he's sitting there calmly. See, I, I would have, you know, prayed for destruction. I would have prayed that God just destroy the army, just kill them all, right? Just get rid of them. But no, Elisha, in the presence of trouble, in the presence of facing certain death, he just prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Elisha did not trust in his ability. He didn't trust in his own foundations. And he didn't allow the enemy surrounding him to cause him to lose focus. And the Lord granted his request in prayer and opened the eyes of the servant. As we today, if you want to stand with me, as we find ourselves in troubled times and turmoil and, and distress, we take comfort in knowing this world is not our home. This world is not our home. We're going to a city not made by man. I tell you, as, 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 as bad and as crazy as the world gets, I find it that much easier to love not the things of the world. To love not the things of the world. I you know, I don't care what Hollywood's doing. I don't care what's happening in politics. I don't care about any of that stuff. When I begin to focus on Him, and I begin to realize this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me at heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We look forward to that day. The Bible says we should love his appearing, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, as Titus said. And as we look for his appearing, as we in this time of turmoil and distress, as we encourage each other by saying, Jesus is coming. We're getting out of here. Jesus is coming. As we do that, as we do that, we need to, we need to renew our faith. Because the Bible says in Luke 18 and 8, the Bible says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? He's going to find faith, uh, I think, everywhere. But faith in what? Are we going to have faith in him? Or are we going to have faith in the circumstance? Are we going to crumble under the weight of fear? Are we going to crumble under uncertainty with politics and the economy and, 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 and social issues and, and just junk that's going on? Or when he returns, is he going to find a people that have prayed, Lord, no matter what goes on in this life, open my eyes to the unseen 
Help me to see you for who you are. Help me to have faith in you. Help me to believe that you're a healer. Come on, unlike never before, church, we need to believe how powerful he is. We're in a season right now where we're going to have to lean on God more than anything else. We're going to have to lean on him for strength, for encouragement, for healing. We're going to have to rely on him. Nobody else, not in the things of this world, but we've got to pray, Lord, open my eyes to have faith in the unseen. As we sing, if you could lift your hands and just pray that prayer tonight as we close, that God would open our eyes together. Would you pray that with me? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's give God some praise for who he is. Thank you, Jesus, that you're still on the throne. Thank you, God, that you're still a healer. Thank you that you still deliver, that you still save, that you still provide. God, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. So I encourage you this week, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed by what you see on the news Things may not turn out the way we want them to, but God is bigger. God's still on the throne. He still holds all power in his hands. He hasn't stopped listening to prayers. He hasn't stopped healing. He hasn't stopped delivering. I promise you that. So if we'll see him for who he is, if we'll believe it, just pray, God, help me to believe in the unseen. God will bless your life. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.